0: Politics without the soap opera, with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and minimans, standing at the ready to fight once again for our right to breathe. This is the CR Podcast. Your host, Daniel Horowitz, here at Blaze Media. It is Friday, November twelfth. And actually, I got that wrong. Uh, it's not a fight to the right to breathe again because we never even had to fight for that. This is not even what we were fighting for in the Revolutionary War. Yet, you cannot find any Republicans, even in supermajority states, that are speaking to the severity of what is going on. The more the science and data become clear that everything they did is not just a strikeout, but a ground out into a triple play, meaning it didn't work, It made the virus worse, and it caused all sorts of harm. The lockdown, the mask, and then now the shots. All three it applies to. By the way, remdesivir now hit the triple crown. Didn't work, causes kidney failure. And now uh, a group of Yale researchers, and I'm writing about this for a column next week, they found that it turns out it creates a mutation. Because what happens, the same way you have a weak, Leaky, suboptimal vaccine. Same thing happens with the suboptimal uh, therapeutic. It learns to become more virulent and mutate around it. Very interesting story out there. This is biblical. Yet everywhere we turn, Republicans are downright on the other side, nowhere to be seen, even though Biden is very unpopular, they won an election of blue state. So it's politically the right thing to do. It's policy the right thing to do. It's morally and constitutionally, legally, the right thing to do. And they don't do it. Unbelievable. So we're going to get into that. We're going to have a special guest today. Another patriot doctor from Texas who sits at the nexus of this. The more it be- the, the, the vaccine mandates become illogical even to use the vaccine, much less it's mandated. The more it becomes immoral that they're blocking the treatment that would end this pandemic that they created, by the way, the more vicious they become, and the more there's a need for so-called Republicans to stand up, and the more they join the other side. So our guest is going to sit at the nexus of all this. Um, first, our sponsor for today, uh, those of you who came out on our trip learned all those new muscle memory tactics on how to draw properly, uh, proper sight alignment, picture alignment, trigger control on your firearm, you're faced with this predicament. It's so much money to pay for ammo. Um, I used to down three, 400 rounds at each trip at, at the range. iTarget Pro has you covered. It's a dummy laser bullet you put in your gun. They make for any you know pistol caliber as well as rifle caliber. They have two, two, three, for your AR, and you download their app. You you shine it on this board, and it renders your shots. You could even time your time your draw. Uh, it, it it literally got my timing correct. What I was shooting at the range. You have everything, everything you could practice. Yeah, I mean once, twice a year, it's good to go with real ammo. But you make your money back if you go to iTargetPro.com. You save 10% plus free shipping with offer code CR. You'll make your money back after one training session on the saved cost of the ammo. Again, itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So, folks, we have here, the Bureau of Labor Statistics came out with a report, 4.4 million Americans quit their jobs in September. Now, every month a certain amount quit for various reasons, but that is... A number we've never seen before. The total for this year is 34.5 million. It blows out the record. Um, just in in uh, education, state and local government education. So those are basically public school teachers. Thirty thousand quit, mainly in the West. That's probably largely driven by California and Oregon, states like that, Colorado. So I mean, people are quitting now. There's a number of reasons. It's not just because of the vaccine mandate. It's also um, because of the welfare, the unemployment benefits that, depending on the job cost, uh, pay out more than the salary you get. All the mayhem, all the shortages it's causing, the inflation, the free money. And yet, more than half the states, Republicans have enough power to stop COVID fascism, stop the lives that it's killing, the liberty it's killing, the economic damage it's inducing, both the virus. You know, by not dealing with the virus properly with the early treatment, and also by dealing with it improperly. And yet, on both fronts, we cannot get a righteous movement. And and I want to start off with North Dakota today. We're not going to have time for much else before our guest. So we talked about North Dakota. There were some good bills. They now passed out of the House, and as I'm talking now, they're debating in the Senate I I mean, I advise them to to vote down the bill and demand changes, but who knows? The bill essentially greenlights Biden's mandate. Not only doesn't it block it, it greenlights the mandate, greenlights a discrimination, greenlights genocidal behavior of the hospitals. 80 to 14 majority. 80 to 14 in the House. So there was a bill, HB 1510 which is essentially Montana's bill, and even that had too much of a carve-out for healthcare. But it banned the federal mandate everywhere else. We could only get 38 votes. 38 out of 80 Republicans, so less than half, were willing to stand against the most radical, immoral, illegal, illogical, unscientific mandate in the history of the country in a state- Where they have super majorities, where Biden's approval is probably below 20%, and where we just won an election largely on this issue in parts of Virginia and New Jersey. Yet this is what we have. So I listed those 42 Republicans in an article today, and that needs to be our primary target. What did they pass? HB 1511. What does this bill do? So it bans state government mandates. Well, the state government was never mandating it. I mean, you shouldn't be doing that. The idea was to push back against the federal mandate on the so-called private businesses. So it doesn't do us anything. And by the way, even in the state, it actually explicitly greenlights the universities, which is the biggest problem, and the state hospitals to have um, a mandate. So it actually creates a state mandate that didn't exist before. It makes it worse. Unbelievable. Worse. So now, private mandate, what about private businesses? So right off the bat, totally greenlights it. But then it says they have to take the exceptions that a lot of these states are kind of coalescing around. The religious exemption, the medical exemption, uh, antibodies, and, or, or offer the option to test and wear a mask. Something like that. But then... They put in a provision at the end that voids even that out, even the religious exemption out. It says, basically, this is all subject to federal regulation, meaning we're banning the federal mandate unless the federal feds mandate it. Then you have to listen to the feds. That's in the bill. So their whole thing is just a stupid lawsuit now. And then even that, this is actually going to weaken their position in the lawsuit by le- openly legitimizing the federal power. Supermajority is what they did. But that's not all. So now did have a per- per- uh, position barring any discrimination. You know, at least for not not for employees, but at least consumers. So you can't, you know, kick people out of your store uh, you, you know demand vaccination status, you know kind of like what you're having in California. Okay, fine. But here's the problem. North Dakota, in the regular session earlier this year, already signed into law a bill that does that. This makes it, this weakens it. So it's not like it has some good, but has an exception. They already have that into law. They weakened it for healthcare. Hospitals could discriminate. So that's the worst problem, the most immoral thing imaginable. You have hospitals denying kidney transplants, denying um, treatment, denying all sorts of things, killing people that that don't have the shots. And mind you, that includes people that have prior immunity, which is 100 times better. We have an, I have an article out today, how even among kidney transplant recipients, it stimulates robust T cell immunity when they have prior infection, but the vaccine does not. Amazing study out of Canada. So you could check out again. I don't have time to get into a lot of the science and data today, but i'll have a lot of articles at the blaze you could find my columns as well as my twitter at rmconservative could you imagine that it explicitly indulges a right for hospitals to just let people die this is what the republicans did they made current law worse now they pride the, pride themselves we talked about this qr code yesterday that you know looked like the state department of health was going to start start to buy Passports, so they ban vaccine passports. But the but this is a classic bait and switch. The issue is not the 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 paper, the type of paper. It's the requirement that you show proof of vaccination. So yes, they won't have a uniform passport. They ban that, but you will have to show some proof of it. It's unbelievable. And then even the bill HB fifteen fourteen, which was good, that it banned. The medical board from taking disciplinary action against doctors for prescribing ivermectin or against pharmacists for filling it, but it took out several of the other good provisions senselessly. The committee gutted it, all the Republicans. It had a p- 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 so, number one is th- the main problem on the street is that the pharmacists are denying. You have to ban them from denying. Again, and that's current law, just applying it evenly. They took that out. They took out, obviously, the anti-discrimination provision against unvaccinated in the hospitals. And they explicitly indulged it in 1511 and wrote it in there. But then the most egregious, I mean, this should be unanimous, the provision there to simply allow the right to try. It's not requiring them to administer ivermectin, but in the hospitals, the right to try at their own liability, at their own cost. It was taken out at the B.S. of the special interests. And all the Republicans were making statements. They even compared it to this drug. I forgot the name back in the day where they were allowing hospitals allowed people to take it voluntarily if they wanted. And it was toxic. So we, we literally have remdesivir that the NIH admits is causing renal and liver failure as the standard of care for $3,000 state Medicaid funding behind it. 20% bonus for the hospitals. Yet this can't even be a right to try voluntarily. And it's a Nobel Prize winning drug, safer than Tylenol. This is in the North Dakota legislature, 80 to 14 majority. Because really, they're a bunch of Democrats. And we've allowed this to go on. Now, speaking of the right to try, the key is to keep you guys out of the hospital to begin with, so you're not in this predicament. That's why we've partnered with Seven Cells Telehealth Pharmacy in Stewart, Florida to get as many of you as possible ivermectin and nidazoxanide, the two uh, de facto antiviral agents with potential efficacy um, that are in the FLCCC protocol. So again, you go to sevencells.com, S-E-V-E-N-C-E-L-L-S, as in white blood cells, sevencells.com, Putting coupon Daniel to make sure you get your 20% off. And the form, by the way, has gotten cleaner. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm hearing they got better doctors that are being more liberal in giving it out. So, you know, certain health conditions they were denying it for. Um, and now they're not, because really those are the people who need ivermectin the most. Unless you're on Coumadin and you're contraindicated, you should be getting it um so let me know if you are denied but look you know the less you put down on that form the better if assuming you did your own research i'm not advocating for you to do that but you have to do your own research um and you feel you want it Nitazoxanide, ivermectin together are a bomb look it is money but i will tell you you cannot even have access to this 25 dollars consultation fee Elsewhere, you have to go for a hundred, hundred fifty, two hundred dollar consultation fee, then scramble to find a pharmacy. Here, they get it to you all at once. There are obviously different pricing for shipping, so use your judgment. If you feel you know you don't, no one has it in your family, or you don't feel you're imminently exposed, you know you could go with the shipping that will take you know an extra four days or so. But um, if you feel that you're about to get it, then you might want to um, go with the immediate shipping, and obviously that's going to be the most costly but you're gonna save your life, potentially. So this is the thing, get it to everyone you know. Look, if you have another way of doing it, that's great. One more thing I wanna promote about that, they just have a new promo code. And I'm not gonna shame or encourage or cajole any of you to do this, but you have an option. You could either use the 20% discount for yourself or for a charitable endeavor, and I'll explain it. So when you're buying the ivermectin, you could you get twenty percent off if you use promo code Daniel. You get the twenty percent off and it comes off your bill. If you use promo code Hope H O P E, um, then you'll pay the full freight, but twenty percent of that will go into a pot in an account at Seven Cells, and they're going to use it for the following. Um, we have a bunch of doctors that can't get a hold of nitazoxanide, in particular. This is really the only place dispensing it. And they want to try it on their patients. Um, so this way, they could call it in and the um, they could use the money you donate, this 20%. So if you put in a $300 order, um, $60 there will go into um, that account and that will go towards that. The other thing it will go towards is we are trying to help people that, that are having trouble affording and... You know if we could we could give it out charitably. So this is a way to do that. again, if you want you want a discount, it is a lot of money because there's no insurance. it's not by the way, it's not a lot compared to everyone else. But for insurance, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's obviously cash prices and uh, you know the prices are way too inflated because of the whole black market dynamic. Um, but this is how we're gonna save as many people as possible while we can. So this is something we can do. We don't have to rely on rhinos. But this is the point, folks. In many respects, the Democrats have more power in supermajority red states than at least competitive states. And the reason is because who are you going to shoot at? All the Democrats run as Republicans. So they just get reelected. And they get to hide out and do this thing. But now, a lot of you might say, well, Daniel, why can't we do that in California? Just run as Democrats, Massachusetts. Because the Democrats actually run a tight ship. Okay? The Democrats actually have a a movement that watches every vote, that watches every statement, watches what they do, and you couldn't get away with a guy being moderate, much less conservative, on any issue. You'll be thrown out. But our party, we could have in the deepest red state, more than half the Republicans in the chamber, literally indulging the most radical, debunked, all, all of them was the vaccine helps, it saves you, it saves college students. What are you talking about? It's unbelievable the stuff they were saying on the North Dakota House floor. They sounded indistinguishable from Cuomo and Murphy and all these guys. No one pays attention to this. We have a team out there that's going to mark every one of them and and have primary challenges. This is why I need need you guys to join ConAction.network and sign up for one of our teams. Sign up to be a team leader. You know I need it in a lot of states. I need a team leader in Mississippi. Louisiana, um, we need Montana, trying to think what else here, um, North Carolina, we got to work on as well, Kentucky, a lot of states we need we need help with, South Dakota is another one, I mean, we're having problems everywhere, Kansas, Kansas is a big one, Kansas is, is, is holding a special session. But this is the thing, folks. They've openly stated, all these guys, that they hate these sessions. They wanted them as quickly as possible so no one could catch their breath and follow this. It's light, lightning quick. The only reason they're doing this is because they're scared of their constituents. We have to make them more fearful. I am telling you, you need to encourage everyone to, that, that here's what you need to do if you're from a Republican district. State legislature, Congress, governor, attorney general, whatever. County. County council. County executive. The starting point is every Republican, if there's someone running against the incumbent, you vote for the challenger unless you affirmatively know that that incumbent has stood up for you. Vocally and effectively. That is the starting point. Not like oh, the default is I vote for the incumbent unless it's drummed into my brains that he killed someone and stuffed the body into his trunk. No. It's not going to change on its own. I mean, I, I, I want you to imagine this for a moment. I want you to, to imagine this for a moment. Imagine you have a Democrat governor. Now, you'll never have this because there's no such thing as a conservative moderate Democrat. But a Democrat governor or a Republican president at the federal level, created a mandate that everyone in the state and the country has to own a gun, has to own a gun, has to go out to front sight on our training and get trained in usage of it, certain caliber, certain amount of ammo, certain holsters, they have to buy we the people holsters, right? Oh, the whole shebang. And, you know, they clamor, and it's a super majority Democrat state. And they clamor for a special session. Now, mind you, in the culture, you wouldn't even need a special session. They would just nullify it and and basically lynch all the, the the people pushing it would be on the hook, not them. I mean, they wouldn't even you wouldn't need a vote on that. But they have a special session. Imagine all these guys being like, "Well, you know, we got a bill exempting certain people with disabilities. From the requirement to own and train in firearms, and we said that it doesn't have to be um, quite this caliber, it could be nine millimeter, it doesn't have to be an AR, it could be a pistol. Well, look, I mean it's something. What 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 you want? You want everything? You're not willing to compromise? I mean, I mean, th- this is where we're, where we're at now. Compromise. that's what that what that, that's what they're all saying. Why should we have to compromise? It's not like we're asking. For a billion dollars. It's not like we're asking to redo 80 years of the Great Society or Social Security and Medicare and tough issues. Simple things that even Democrats wouldn't have been doing two years ago. Genocidal things that violate the Nuremberg Code when we have so much data to debunk it. When the Democrats are so on the ropes, we're not asking for much. Those of you who know me know I'm very strategic in my thinking and what, what I... What we ask for, I understand. Like an ideal world, and what's achievable, what's politically feasible. It's like Biden could literally come out with a mandate tomorrow that every woman who's not a Democrat needs to be raped, and it'll be like, okay, you know, let's have, um, you know, you could, you could take it in the rear. I mean, I hate to get too crass here. Um, you know, you could you could manifest it another you know, ways or, um, some exemptions, but even then not, but, but if Biden says you have to do it anyway, then, then it's void. You know, I mean, look, it's, it's the feds. What are we going to do? Well, we'll do a lawsuit. I mean, what are you talking about? They're literally mandating the hospitals that you cannot cure yourself and you must take poison and that they won't treat people that don't put poison in their body. That doesn't help. I mean, folks, Open your eyes. Look at this. Look at this. Um, where is this? 82% of all deaths in the UK fully vaccinated. 85% of the Dutch population is fully vaccinated. Yet now they have record high cases and they're going to lockdown. Germany, 70% vaccinated. They just logged 45,000 cases, which is the equivalent of 180,000 in the U.S., almost at our winter peak before any dead, the dead of winter before um, the vaccine. And they're logging that rate in Germany after 70% vaccinated already in November and they're just getting started. U.S. seniors saw a 69% increase, a 69% increase in all-cause excess mortality over the past 13 weeks versus the same period, right? Roughly October, September, and August of 2020. That puts the US excess deaths for the three month period at a record level of 101,000 people. 98% plus of US seniors have gotten at least one shot. And I don't wanna hear this. You know, you know it's funny how they move the goalposts, like one shot is now nothing. Like, that was supposed to be, like, the main thing. It's like, okay, this gives you a little bit more of a second shot. But remember, they bragged the first shot conveys, like, especially against death and mortality. It was, like, almost 100%, we were told. Why is that happening? Now, it's some unknown mix. We can't prove it. But it's one of the two of either the they're dying directly from the shots or the shots have created viral immune escape and ADE, and the virus is now worse and it's killing more seniors vaccinated, unvaccinated, but almost all of them are vaccinated. So you can't, there's nowhere to run or hide from this. A hundred percent essentially of seniors over 65 in Maine have at least one shot. Hospitalizations, not cases. Hospitalizations are at an all time high. Michigan is just reaching their goal, their stated goal of 70% of people over 16 fully vaccinated. It now has the highest case rate in the U.S., and hospitalizations are rapidly following. Belgium, 74% of the population is fully vaccinated. Their health minister told the Health Select Committee in the parliament that roughly that same share is um in the hospital with COVID. I mean, how much longer are we going to deny the fact that it's the triple crown, doesn't work, makes the virus worse on everyone, vaccinated or unvaccinated, and causes God knows how many injuries. It is heartbreaking. By the way, did you? I'm sure you saw the story out of Saginaw, Michigan. The school district announced that schools were closed First, they tried to like say it was the virus, and then they admitted a lot of people got boosters, the teachers, and they're out sick. That most of them, and, and that's assuming it's just flu like. Forget about like all the, the blood clotting and Guillain Barre and whatever, paralysis, strokes, death, whatever. But even, even if none of them are serious, For most people, that's essentially what you would get from COVID, except the difference is, COVID, we have a way of treating and prophylaxing. We don't really have a good way of of dealing with vaccine injuries. But before I blow a gasket, I got to get to our guest. Now, today's interview segment is sponsored by Patriot Academy. If you go to constitutioncoach.com, you could atone for your sins for not coming on our trip to Front Sight last time. Um, this is the best Constitution and defensive handgun training given in America. Um, November 28th and December 2nd. Those are the starting dates of our next classes. The last ones of the year. We'll probably have another one in February or March. I'll be out in, in uh, the winter, one of those. But folks... 90% off the regular cost. You go out to Front site. you take their four-day course. Normally, it's $1,500. Here, it's $150, $100 for the two-day course. I seriously do recommend if you could take off the time to take the four-day course because after the second day is really when you start um, getting that muscle memory, getting it down, and then you got to go home. So the four-day is much more comprehensive, but uh, they, they both will do. Again, go to constitutioncoach.com to find out all the details. Okay, so our special guest today, um, you know, we've had a lot of doctors on who have been at the front lines rather than running away from patients or worse, giving them uh, remdesivir and things that are potentially harmful. They've actually saved so many people. One of them is Dr. Mary Telly Bowden. She runs Breathe MD Clinic in Texas. She is a board-certified ENT doctor, also certified in sleep medicine. Um, this is kind of what we talked about yesterday, one of these cash-based clinics that are independent, uh, centered on the patient, no middlemen, no government uh, protocols and things like that. But in addition, like some of these other specialists we've had on, they have taken it upon themselves to actually treat COVID when nobody else is. She, she has treated over 2,000 COVID patients and tested 80, 000, so it has a great sense of where things are headed. We hear a lot of data, but you're going to get from Dr. Bowden what actually is happening on the ground. She's also been involved in high-profile cases there in Texas, in the Houston area, where hospitals are denying care, denying the right to try. We just talked about that North Dakota bill that unfortunately failed, um, and we need to get this elsewhere, and you'll see the importance she has also Uh, put out a statement that she will not treat those who are vaccinated. So we're going to get a better sense of what's going on there. Dr. Bowden, thanks so much for joining Blaze Media today.
1: It is an honor. Thank you.
0: Well, right when I saw that headline, um, reporter Emily Miller did an article on you and I said, man, I got to have you on. What is this business of you're saying you will not treat those who are vaccinated? Where is that coming from?
1: Yeah, well, a week ago, it all came to a head. I, uh, let's see, about a week and a half ago, I testified on behalf of a patient of mine who has been in the ICU for over a month, uh, not making progress. His wife reached out to me. I had prescribed a slew of medications, first and foremost, ivermectin, that should be that I thought should be tried. And... Hospital denied that, the wife sued, and we thought we had won the case. The judge uh, ruled that the hospital, and this is Texas Hughley Hospital in Fort Worth, Texas, that they should give me temporary privileges and allow me to administer ivermectin. And that was to be done in a very timely fashion. Well, instead, they waited until Friday afternoon and sent me an email that my request for temporary privileges was denied. And I have a spotless record. There's nothing on my record that is concerning. So clearly there was an agenda behind this. So that was the first thing. Then I got a notice from um, my, one of the surgery centers that I operate at that I would have to show proof of vaccination in order to continue operating there. And then I had um, a patient reach out to me saying that her urologist had just called her and said that although it wasn't set in stone, that their hospital was going to stop seeing unvaccinated patients and that she should find a new urologist. And this is a woman with a history of bladder cancer. So all three of those things happened to me in, a, in the time span of about two hours. And I just, I, it just, it, it just all came to a head. And I said, you know what, you know, and I keep hearing all these stories from patients that, Oh, you know, basically being discriminated against because they're not vaccinated. So I said, I am, I'm not, this is the way I'm standing up to it. And so I sent an email out to my patients saying that I would continue to see all my established patients, no matter if they're vaccinated or not vaccinated. And I would never turn away somebody that had a life-threatening illness, no matter what their vaccination status. But for the routine ENT and sleep problems, I was going to prioritize the unvaccinated and, you know, whether or not I will really, you know, be a stickler about this, I probably could be talked into seeing a vaccinated patient. But the point is, somebody needs to, to prioritize or, or at least not discriminate against the unvaccinated
0: so what what I'm gathering from what you're saying is obviously this is not the same thing as the other sides doing you're not trying to blame those people and certainly you know you supported the vaccine initially like like most doctors Right, uh, I but did. you actually you actually looked at the reality okay this is no longer january and we're seeing that it doesn't work um, and then not only doesn't it work, I mean, it's causing a tremendous amount of problems. I want to get into that a little bit later. But in terms of your policy, you're saying, look, someone's got to deal with these people. They're being unfairly discriminated against. Mm-hmm. So we're going to prioritize them. But still, you, for, for COVID, ironically, when they come in vaccinated and get COVID and they do need treatment, unlike the other side that won't treat anyone, you'll certainly treat everyone. Oh, yeah. um, could you talk about this specific case? Go back a little bit. Um, what you're dealing with now, I want you to paint a vivid picture for our audience. You know, people are hearing about these cases where people get into the hospital, they don't offer them much other than remdesivir, which has never been proven to work anywhere and had the highest death rate of all four therapeutics studied by an article in the New England Journal of Medicine study from 2019 for Ebola, 53% kill rate, and because of the renal failure. And yeah. yet, they won't allow a patient even on their own volition to try something that is safer than Tylenol. So this is happening all over the country. Um, It's
1: it's, yeah. Yeah. So could could you give us a a sense
0: of what's going on there?
1: So it's a 48 year old um, father of six. He's a sheriff's deputy. He has, he was not vaccinated, but I actually didn't know that until recently. Um, I don't think it changes anything. Um, he has been intubated for a long time. He has no chronic medical problems. He's overweight, but he wasn't taking any prior medications. Um, we got the, we got the court order. This is a Tuesday. And then I got my privileges denied on right before the weekend. So nothing could happen over the weekend. The, the lawyers went back to the judge and they said, okay, we'll we'll grant her, privileges with some ah, modifications and basically they said the only uh, privilege that I could have is to administer ivermectin and beyond that no privileges whatsoever in the hospital which is fine that's all I really want to do so I resubmit that and then immediately after that they appealed so My lawyer, you know, the the patient's lawyers, like, they can appeal, it's fine, but there's no stay on the original order, so we can proceed with giving the patient ivermectin. So two nights ago, then we had to find a nurse to administer it, because I'm in Houston, and this patient is in Fort Worth. So we find a nurse, which is hard. I have, you know, I send out alerts throughout social media and my network. We find somebody. On short notice, she goes down to the hospital with the court order in her hand, and they call the police on her. And they produce a 500-page document that has not been signed, but the police take their side and the patient does not get the ivermectin. Yesterday is Veterans Day, so the courts aren't open. So the, the, the patient still has not gotten the ivermectin. The, the hospital administrator showed up with the police and said, we cannot allow the nurse to give him a medication that is going to kill him. <laughs> but, mean, but the court just gave an order. Right. But they said that the ivermectin would kill him, which is complete ignorance. And, yeah, it's...
0: <laughs> um, and, and you, What what's their protocol now? Like, what's their plan?
1: Well, the patient refused remdesivir before he got intubated so he has not gotten that they did and i talked to his wife today and they got they fired the doctor that was on his case and have a new doctor helping him within the last two days but uh, beyond that nothing
0: um so Wow. I, I mean, see, see uh, Dr. Bowden, you don't realize that this show we've talked about judicial supremacism a lot. Courts have ordered the most insane things that violate law, and right away, you got to do it. You got to do it. Here, you have a patient dying. Right. There's nothing to lose, only to right. gain. They have nothing to show. A court says you must do it, and they're still getting away with it. They're still. Oh, now, I mean, yeah. is it. Has, has this gone to an appellate level?
1: Well, the hospital has appealed and i don't know all the legal stuff but they claim they have a stay on the order my uh, the patient's lawyer has not seen that stay and oh my gosh today it should get sorted out but
0: so this is a disgrace now you might say well daniel yeah this is how it is in oregon this is how it is in california but but this is texas what is up with Greg Abbott? We are not asking to remake Social Security and Medicare and get rid of the Great Society. These are not big issues. This is not right or left. This is a simple thing. Right. Um, you go, as, as I showed you, Dr. Bowden. you go to the NIH slide, their website. They have three potential antivirals for uh, this, this virus. They have nitisoxine and, and ivermectin, generally well tolerated. They have mm-hmm. remdesivir, and they say that causes liver toxicity and renal failure. And mm-hmm. the, and the latter is the one that is not only used but indulged at three thousand a pop, twenty percent bonus for hospitals. Right. And the other one cannot even be used on the volition of the patient. Um, no cost, no liability to the hospital. Um, how this has been going on for a year now. And Republican governors and legislatures have not convened an emergency session to. I mean, he could deal with this executively, but certainly, at least through statute, is it is um, it is abhorrent and it it's is shocking.
1: I mean, this is going to go down in history. This is. I I,
0: I cannot. I mean, I I you, you know I I can't say publicly who this doctor is, but a very very prominent ivermectin um, user, and it's not Dr. Corey. I'll say that much. Right. Um. He told me that in his hospital, they put a blockade on the duration and dosage mm, of ivermectin. But at least
1: they're, they're giving it then? At least
0: they're giving it in. <laughs> but but the problem was, you know, I mean, at that stage, it's got to it's register. You've got to have a loading dose that registers that's going to, you know, even if it works, it's a question of dosage. Well, and he yeah. said there were two patients that the in-house pharmacist made a mistake and filled the, his original order. Those are the two that survived. I mean, right. it is it is well, that... The the other
1: thing, you have patients going into the hospital and rubbing ivermectin, sneaking it in. I had a patient whose sister snuck him in the ivermectin in a Q-tip box. He was on the verge of going on a ventilator. He walked out of the hospital the next day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, or the the best thing is to crush crush it up into a Gatorade bottle. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's this is like this is Christy. Nazi Germany i mean this yeah. violates the nuremberg code i never thought i would have said this i never thought i would have seen this um and and again we we have heard many stories of them thinking that you're unvaccinated and they go and kill you and the reality is plenty of vaccinated people have come to our network in with their sats dropping and they mm-hmm. they're not getting care so i mean they're not getting care to anyone but certainly these people so could you talk a little bit more about What has been working for you? You say you treated 2,000 patients. Could you Mm -hmm. describe a little bit about what you've seen works, what sort of timeline, what sort of cocktails, what sort of symptoms people are coming in with, and Mm -hmm. are your protocols holding up even with this more aggressive, as I call it, the Pfizer variant?
1: Yeah, I mean, the key thing is, early treatment The people that don't do well are the ones who are come in and it's already set into their lungs and not just set in there but it's it's set in there for a few days like it's okay if it gets into your lungs but if it's been going on for a while then it's harder to treat um i i give everybody monoclonal antibodies i do not restrict who can get monoclonal antibodies if you can sign up on my website you can get it other than children um But if you're an adult and you want them and we have access, I I give it to whoever wants them. Uh, I will give ivermectin to whoever wants it within, you know, as long as there's nothing like if they're child or breastfeeding or pregnant, I wouldn't. But um, and then, you know, it's kind of you look at how severe things are and, and given how severe things are, you add more medications. It's kind of a, it's hard to, I don't have a strict protocol. It's the art of medicine. You kind of figure out what's what you think is going to work and what organ systems are involved and go from there.
0: Now you're, you're a specialist, so you're not a primary care physician, but you're doing the job of a primary care physician. Um, Greater Houston area, central, south Texas, what are you seeing in terms of primary care physicians? Uh, Do you have a network of other people? Are other people treating patients?
1: No. I mean, I have had so many people come to me saying, I need a new primary care physician. They either, (laughs) either, all they want to talk about is the vaccine, or they shut their doors during COVID and wouldn't see me. Or they're not willing to consider ivermectin, or you know, just. And it's hard to find people that will. Will fulfill those needs. I think there's going to be a, a big, backlash after this, and I think a lot of primary care doctors are going to see their practices dwindle.
0: What are some policy changes that you think um, some of us could bring to our legislatures? and to 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 rectify some of the things we're seeing today.
1: Well, I love that bill in North Dakota and I didn't realize it got struck down, is that what you said?
0: Well, so it got stripped out. So basically, it did th- we did get provisions passed to um uh protect doctors from prescribing mm-hmm. uh off-label and pharmacists who want to fill it but doesn't force their hand. That was taken out. And mm-hmm. but but what was taken out was the right to try in the hospital. So at least outpatient. I mean, the key is to avoid the hospital. So it's it's right. something and it's, it's crazy that in Texas, we couldn't even get that passed.
1: Right. Well, yeah. I mean, one thing is I have people actively trying to take my license away. I have, there's a group on Twitter and I get, they're probably on other platforms too, but, um, that has posted my name and encouraged all their followers to report me to the board. Um, that kind of stuff is just, you know, I'm not prescribing rat poison to people. I am prescribing a very safe drug, which, in my clinical experience, has been shown to significantly help. And the fact that they can get away with doing that, and that I have to hire a lawyer to defend myself, is just absurd.
0: Yep, this is not California, and it's still going on. And we we've had Dr. Eric Henson on, also an ENT uh, from uh, Palestine, Texas. And he has a blight on his record now that he had to sign uh, because nobody protected him in the state simply because he didn't wear a mask when masks absolutely do not work, have never been proven to work. Um, mm-hmm. And anyone who wants to wear a mask can wear one, so they have the protection unless they believe it doesn't work. So then, you know, but it, but it, you know, it started off, my mask protects you, but not me. Now it's that my vaccine protects you, but not me. But even though it spreads it even more, according to the UK data, um, what are you seeing on the ground in terms of, you know, they'll say, oh, you can't get critically ill from this. But I've gotten a lot of people asking Dr. Hansen and some of these other guys, hey, I need help. My sats are dropping and they have the shots. Are you seeing the same thing?
1: Right. You mean, oh, if you're vaccinated. Yeah. So, you know, we do a ton of testing. And I will say the our percent positive now is, is low. It's only 4%. In the last month, we've had more... Vaccinated positives than unvaccinated. They all have a similar presentation, flu like symptoms. I haven't seen anybody who's so severe that they need to go to the hospital. All of them are getting monoclonal antibodies and ivermectin if they want it. Um, and
0: in, in other words, you're avoiding that. You're avoiding right, that. Right, 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 right,
1: right. Exactly. I think, yeah, everybody's on high alert. Now, you know, the people who know my practice know that.
0: And, and they're probably already p- pounding the vitamin D and knack and things like that. And that's and, and and again, we have no way of studying this, but there is no doubt in my mind it's taken a bite at a crime. There, because right. there's there's pre July, it was a very small group of people. Now it's gone very mainstream with a lot of people. Right. And you know we all thought we'd get crushed. Oh my gosh! Wait till the winter comes. And the winter uh, flu season, as you all know, is already November. And, mm-hmm. and it's bad in the Rocky Mountain states, it's bad in the North, um, and, and in the South, it's because they just had it in the built-up immunity. But I would have thought by now it would have been even worse based on what happened to the South in the summer. And I mm-hmm. think some of that, at least it is going to get worse in the mm-hmm. Northern states. But Mm -hmm. some of it is also there's a tremendous amount of people thanks to your work. So I think the lesson for our listeners is it's not so much there's a good case and a bad case. I mean, some are destined to get a bad case and some aren't, but they all start off the same. Isn't that correct?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And if you get treated early, your odds are so much better. Um, I think that is. You know, maybe it hasn't been proven, but there's a lot to be said for clinical experience. And, you know, frankly, I don't have time to go <laughs> write a paper right now, but um, it's, yeah, uh, early treatment is is absolutely key. So, and unfortunately, the, I gotta get on my bandwagon about this, the monoclonal antibodies, I used to be able to order them and get them the next day. And now that the government has taken over... It's it's really hard. I mean, I've been out for over a week now and I've you know requested and requested and you don't even get a response. You don't you don't know and you know, one day they will just appear, but I won't know when. So it's very uh frustrating.
0: So let me ask you this. What about on the you know, we talk about the efficacy side of the shots, which which again, I mean, I read off a litany of stats from Europe now. Um, they're they're not working at all. The most vaccinated countries have the most cases, more cases than ever pre-vaccine. Clearly, there is some manifestation of Gert Van den Bosch's uh, warning of uh, vaccine-mediated viral enhancement. That if you have you know suboptimal antibodies that don't sterilize, then the virus is actually going to learn to get more aggressive around it, and we're certainly seeing that. But what about on the safety side? So. Um, You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't actually see people, but we're seeing some very ominous things, weird things. Mm -hmm. You look at the statistics. uh, We now have uh, 69 percent greater excess deaths among seniors um, for the past 13 weeks of 2021 relative to that same period in 2020, even though 98 percent plus of seniors have at least one shot. Um, Right. Or maybe because they do, right. um, we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of signals of people just disappear. People get weird things, um, but you know, no one. Obviously, it's all censored at a clinical level and through your networks. What are you seeing and hearing? Um, like, let me say, just for example, Saginaw, Michigan. So their school mm-hmm. district closed, and surprisingly, they publicly admitted because a bunch of teachers got the boosters and they got sick. So mm-hmm. at least they admitted it. So I know this is happening more. Are you seeing that on the ground?
1: Well, I'm seeing, I'm seeing and hearing of of weird things. I haven't had anybody with you know major you know, but every, I, I always talk to my patients about COVID. That's and they're all and it's not that I'm you know digging for dirt, but they almost invariably tell me that they, they all know somebody that's had sudden death after a vaccine or had some very disturbing side effects after the vaccine. I, the other thing is you, you go on these forums, you know, professional forums, and if you speak out or if you suggest that there may be some concerns about the vaccine, they will crucify you. So no one speaks up on these professional forums. It's you know we just mm. lay low because we don't want to be smeared. Um, that's I can speak from personal experience that has happened to me. So it that is very concerning. There's there's no discussion amongst the professionals what's going on.
0: In other words, except for the anaphylactic shocks within the first 24 hours or something like that, it's mm-hmm. very hard to. Uh, definitively with the scientific method on the spot prove that it came from the shot so again typically um, in medicine we're gonna be like wait a minute we're gonna be looking okay what have you taken what medication what right, have you done right. and and we're gonna be very suspicious of anything that looks out of the norm but when it comes to this all those just the normal way you would um, diagnose something gets thrown out the window because it's so it's such a stigma uh, this is right. it's just so disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: other thing I've I've read is a doctor saying, "Well, I don't want to discourage people from getting the vaccine, so I really don't want to report this," which has been I've seen written on these forums.
0: I don't want to discourage people from getting it, so yeah, I mean right. that's the thing. So it do- doesn't matter. I mean, I'm sure you saw the letter uh from CDC to uh Aaron Series uh, law office uh returning a request um and and when they asked can you document a case of reinfection um from someone that had prior infection they said no um right. could you ju- list any study to justify those with prior infection um you know getting the shot they have nothing they have right. nothing there um, the emperor is wearing no clothes, and in fact, they're in on it. It's th- th- This is so sad. You know, we're, we're just about out of time. I just want to end off with this. One of the things that's disturbing me, and I want to know how much of it is malfeasance and malpractice, and how much of it is just the, the nature of the virus being created like a bioweapon. So... I think we have a good handle on how to avoid the hospital, but, but when someone gets to that moderate to severe stage Mm -hmm. and it's, it's what they call COVID pneumonia, the cytokine storm is, is starting. Why is it that everyone who seems to come into the hospital, let's say their sats are in the low nineties. So typically Mm -hmm. I've watched this throughout my life, you know, a million people go to the hospital a year for pneumonia except for those at the end of their life, they typically come out in a few days, sometimes that day. Um, They're able to get it under control. They do breathing therapies with them. They get them moving. Now they go in and they don't come out. Like most of them, it just goes all the way.
1: Mm -hmm. Why
0: can't that be brought under control? Is that I mean, putting aside ivermectin should be used, and remdesivir really shouldn't be used, that I think our audience is well aware of that. The remdesivir could possibly be doing in a lot of people and exacerbating it, causing kidney problems, the fluids then fill up in the lungs. I get that. But is there anything else they're not doing, or is this just the nature of the bioweapon?
1: I I mean, I'm not in the hospital, so I'm just going off of what I suspect and what I've heard, but... Typically, when a patient has pneumonia, you have, you have respiratory therapists being very aggressive and, and giving them breathing treatments and making them do breathing exercises, and you have nurses getting people out of bed and you have a lot of hands-on care. COVID patients are, you know, untouchables. You can't you can't get near them, so they're they're just essentially kind of languishing in their beds, where your lungs are not going to get better if you're just laying on your back all day. So I, I think that could have a lot to do with it.
0: Wow. So you're saying, you know, putting aside questions of doses and methylprednisone and androgen blockers and phenovibrate and whatever it is, but just the, the therapy is alone, I mean, we've definitely seen that and heard that where they're just lying down, they give them oxygen, and they'll feel okay, but their lungs mm-hmm. will never recover and it will go down, 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 down. Eventually on the ventilator and there's no path out. And mm-hmm. that's really the death trap I think we're seeing. And 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 by the way, Dr. Bowden, isn't it ironic that we have great vaccines, so much so that you have to <laughs> fire your staff for not getting it. So why are you scared of going around the patient? I mean right. that that's why you needed it, right? right? So you got it. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's funny, it's like it's like idolatry in the Bible. Like they believed in it and didn't believe in it at the same time. Um mm-hmm. it's it's they believe in it enough to uh, con- uh, to control your life but not believing in enough to actually do what it was supposed to do so sad um again people could find you breathe md.org uh, uh at md breathe on twitter so you have a great twitter account i think everyone needs to follow you find out great information keep us posted on this patient uh what happens um i know you got is is a. Uh, frank lariga on the case or ralph ralph yes, yes
1: and and his associate beth has been wonderful perlada she's been sort of the the big yeah you know, I, I ralph is um doing cases all over the country it's it's amazing um and so he has beth helping him with this and she is she's awesome i mean she's been great
0: Well, I, I, you know, I really applaud you for fighting for these people and really look forward to getting you together with some of our other network of patriot doctors that believe in science, compassion and medicine and clinical experience. And we're going to get this, get this going. I think one day you could be a part of something much, much greater to to fix the system, not just for COVID, but systemically. Good luck on your work and God bless you all. Wow, folks, I mean, that was depressing. It's just so sad that this could be going on in all 50 states, okay? There's not a single red state dealing with this. And again, this shouldn't be right or left. This is unbelievable what they are doing. You could say the whole excuse of the vaccine was, look, we're scared, or the excuse of the maltreatment was, look, we're scared, we don't want our doctors to get sick. You have your shot. And you even mandated it because you said it's so important that everyone has to have the shot in the hospital. You got the shot. What's the deal? They won't work with the patients. And again, these are people who had the shot and didn't have the shot, both. Make the Nuremberg Code great again. We never thought this is what we'd have to fight for. This is what it is. And by the way, I just got word the garbage bill passed in North Dakota. And by the way, the conservatives, I don't blame them. They were too scared to vote against it because they felt it was at least something... It was kind of narrow. Half the Republicans voted against it in the Senate, but for not, not for our reasons. From the left, it was too much for them. Truly unbelievable. Um, anyway, folks, uh, just a couple of housekeeping notes here. I will be on with Steve Dace and Glenn Beck, a special broadcast Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night uh, next week, to go through what is really behind the pandemic, who profits, what are the true origins of the... Virus, the the Great Reset, where they're headed with this, we're gonna we're gonna flesh it all out. Um, so this is going to be 8 p.m. Eastern Time Wednesday night. Mark that on your calendar, November 17th. Um, this is very important. And and also, by the way, folks, um, if you if you use promo code Harowitz twenty, so my last name Harowitz twenty, if you go to our um merchandise center, the Blaze merchandise, we have some really good Uh, mugs, patriotic, like, you know, let's go Brandon slogans. A lot of you guys like that. Um, So 20% off It makes a good Christmas gift um, out at the Blaze website. And I just want to say, like, I'm proud to be a part of the only network we see even Newsmax is bought into the Fox business pimping the vaccine. Well, we're going to have a show um, exposing all of this. And I am so thankful that at least I have an outlet where I could say whatever I want and not hold back. As you well know, I never do hold back. I just want to close out a very productive week and I thank all of you for helping the show grow on this date November 12th 1775 okay so if you could picture the timeline uh, this is after Bunker Hill already but you know it wasn't clear that they'd have a full scale war um, half a year before the Declaration of Independence this is when Abigail Adams wrote her letter to her husband John uh, they they had a, basically they had rejected the olive branch petition ri- written by Dickinson, you know the olive branch to kind of strike a deal with King George. And she said, "This is it. Let us separate. They are unworthy to be our brethren. Let us renounce them, and instead of supplications as formerly for their prosperity and happiness, let us beseech the Almighty to blast their counsels and bring to naught." All their devices, and I pray to God we are beyond that. We have done everything we can. We've compromised and compromised, and begged and begged, and tried and tried. They are not our brethren. You know, we could we could argue over tax rates and regulatory structures and you know uh, social programs. What they are doing is utter genocide on par with what the Nazis did. We need to self-separate. We need to be on our own. They are unworthy of being our brethren. And we need to forge a plan to do just that. In the coming weeks, we will do that. Send this show out to all of your friends and relatives. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. I hope you guys have a terrific weekend. Till Monday, we'll be back. Same time, same place. God bless you all. And thank you for listening.